The Kansas City Chiefs were a playoff team the year they drafted Mahomes. He inherited an outstanding offense and the best offensive-minded coach in the NFL. And he had the opportunity to learn from Alex Smith, who may not have been a top quarterback by any means, but he is a brilliant football mind and an excellent decision maker, which I believe is why he's been tagged as a game manager. He doesn't make mistakes, and he sees the field very, very well. Where you go in the NFL really does matter. Look at Sam Darnold. There's a reason why he was the third pick in the draft. Potential is a real trait in a quarterback. It is. You're drafted where you're drafted for a reason. And the thing about it is this. It's up to the organization you land in to expand that potential. It's up to them to make you into the player that you have the potential to be. Look at Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was the number three overall pick in the draft. I thought he should have been number one overall. And look at the organization he went to. The Jets have been atrocious and have done Sam Darnold no favors to expand on that potential. And it's still there. I still believe Sam Darnold has the potential to be a very good NFL quarterback. But they have not done him any favors in any regard. Terrible O-line, no weapons, terrible coach. What are you doing to help Sam Darnold grow? And just look at the other two quarterbacks, other three quarterbacks, I should say, that are legitimate, good, if not great, NFL quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, you can say what you want about him, I think Baker Mayfield is a very good quarterback. I would not say he's great. I would not say he's excellent. He's a very good NFL quarterback. I would not identify him or classify him as a game manager. But he's a very good quarterback. They might not have gotten the right coach for a while. I believe Stefanski is the guy. Baker Mayfield had an outstanding season this year. But what they did do with him, they got him weapons. They got him a good O-line. This year was the best O-line he's ever had by a long shot. A lot of people believe best O-line in football. They're doing things to help Baker Mayfield grow and to live up to that potential. Josh Allen, look at how much better he's gotten. The flag, the biggest flag on Josh Allen coming into the league was his inability to be accurate. And it showed his first couple years in the league. But this year, oh my goodness, he was so accurate. He was, without a doubt, a top five quarterback in the league this year. And Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson won MVP his second year. I think Lamar Jackson personally was even better this season. I know the win-loss record doesn't show it, but Lamar Jackson has gotten exponentially better throwing the football. A lot of people think his release looks ugly. I won't argue with you there, but guess what? He still completes his throws. He has grown and it's continuing to grow into being a really, really good NFL quarterback. I definitely wouldn't say he's elite. I think he's borderline top 10 though. Absolutely. And Josh Allen's case, 
Sean McDermott showed me so much this season that I can easily say he's one of the five best coaches in the NFL. He coaches hard. He's a teacher. He believes in his players. He's there for his players. You have to show your quarterback that you believe in them. Patrick Mahomes had all of this. All of it. He was set up for success. And when you're set up for success and you have that potential that he has, you're going to show it on the field day in and day out. And Patrick Mahomes has done that. But who else has done that? Who else has had a very similar start to their career as Patrick Mahomes outside of the MVPs? Ever hear of a guy named Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson came into the league and was set up for success. Pete Carroll is an outstanding coach. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Pete Carroll is an outstanding coach. And since he's gotten to Seattle up until the last couple years, they've been a very well-run organization who's drafted very, very well. That Legion of Boom defense was one of the best defenses I've seen in my lifetime. And so they've built this great defense. They've shown Russell Wilson, we believe in you and we're building our offense around you. And his first year as a starter, they make it to the playoffs, and they lose. Come back the next year, even stronger, and they win the Super Bowl. They come back the next year, make it to the Super Bowl again, against none other than Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, where ultimately they lost. Two different scenarios, though. I understand that. Many people believe had they run the ball with Marshawn Lynch, Seattle would have won the game. And I'm not here to argue that. I'm not here to disagree, anything like that, because truth be told, I would have run the football. Had they scored, they probably would have won the game with that little time remaining. But almost doesn't count. What if all that makes no sense to talk about that? The fact is the New England Patriots and Tom Brady won the game. And since then, individual success, Russell Wilson's had it. The last few years, he's struggled in the second half of the season. This year, there was no doubt about it. First half of the season, Russell Wilson was the clear-cut MVP. But he did struggle in the second half of the season. And because of that, it cost him the MVP. And a lot of people are probably listening to this right now and be like, Oh, why are you comparing Patrick Mahomes to Russell Wilson? Oh, there's no comparison, but Mahomes has had MVPs. Okay, look at this. Tell me outside of arm strength, because I don't think there's any debate about it. Mahomes definitely has the stronger arm. But when it's coming to deep throws, double teams, and you can trust one quarterback to throw the ball accurately deep and hit that receiver in double coverage who are you taking I'm taking Russell Wilson Patrick Mahomes has the stronger arm but throwing the ball deep Russell Wilson is more accurate when it comes to running around making plays extend Mahomes has shown that ability but I want you to think about this one of the reasons why the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl 
there were several reasons, but one of the reasons was Mahomes' offensive line wasn't healthy. He was missing his two starting tackles. When you have a makeshift offensive line like that, there's a reason why a player is a backup. They can fill in when needed, but if you were any good, you'd be a starter. That's just the facts. How many bad offensive lines has Russell Wilson had in his career? Most of his career, they've been pretty bad. Last year was the best offensive line Russell Wilson's had, in my opinion, in the last five years. He's had terrible offensive lines, get sacked a bunch. Yet you take that into consideration and look at what Russell Wilson is able to do. It's incredible. It's incredible that Russell Wilson is, in my opinion, a top three quarterback in the NFL. And he has all this he has to overcome. I don't think the gap right now between Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson is that great. I don't at all. Russell Wilson is a clear-cut Hall of Famer as it stands right now, even not winning an MVP. Patrick Mahomes... He's won an MVP, he's won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. Sure, you could make an argument he's a Hall of Famer, but it's not clear-cut like Russell Wilson. Not at all. But despite all of that, I really do believe Patrick Mahomes has everything set up for him for future success. I just question now, what is he going to look like Because you also have to remember that contract extension that he signed is about to kick in. They're not going to be able to afford all these weapons. You're not going to have both Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. When you have that much money tied down to a quarterback and the contract finally hits the books with the way the salary cap is structured in the NFL, you have to start making sacrifices. One of the reasons why Russell Wilson hasn't had much to work with over the years. They're paying him a lot of money. But the reason why I think it's safe to say Russell Wilson is better than Patrick Mahomes as far as legacy is concerned, he's consistently been the player that he is when having less to work with. I'm the type of person that What are you like when you're facing adversity? What kind of adversity are you able to overcome? Which is one of the reasons why I don't think Aaron Rodgers is a top five quarterback all time. Aaron Rodgers is the second most talented quarterback I've ever seen in my life, but he's not a top five overall quarterback of all time. And it's because... Look at what he's like this season, for example. The two games against Tampa Bay. Regular season in the playoffs. He's down by two scores, and he can't do anything. It's like when when he's facing a deficit, all that talent just disappears. You have one Super Bowl and a bunch of playoff losses. You're Aaron Rodgers. You should be able to consistently carry your team 
to the next level. And in the playoffs, he hasn't shown the ability to do that. I want to see what Patrick Mahomes can do when he's faced with this adversity. And he's facing adversity now. You were favored, heavily favored, to win the Super Bowl, and you lost it by a wide margin. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do to show people this game was an anomaly? This isn't the quarterback I am. I'll show you what quarterback I am. And I want to see it. I'm a big fan of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is great for the NFL. But the one thing he will not be is Tom Brady. Tom Brady, this is just incredible. 43 years old, you switch teams because your old team that you've done so much for, essentially gave your life to, doesn't want you anymore. Bill Belichick says, I can win without you. I'm going to let you walk. So what does Tom Brady do? He goes to Tampa Bay with a huge chip on his shoulder. For some ridiculous reason, people have always labeled Tom Brady a system quarterback. It's just ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Have you watched him play? Have you seen the throws he's able to make? Everyone always labels, oh, he's a cheater, he's a this, he's a... Okay, tell me this. How is he responsible for Spygate? That's a coaching thing. Coaching benefits from that. Tom Brady still has to go onto the field and make the plays, make the throws, deflate gate, all this stuff. Call me a conspiracy theorist. I'm okay with that. I think Tom Brady took the fall on deflate gate for Bill Belichick. And I can already t- I can already hear Everyone who's listening to this be like, oh, give, give me a break, rolling your eyes at me. I'll... Cool. Think what you want. Say what you want. This, that's my opinion. I think Tom Brady took the fall for Deflategate. And he goes to Tampa Bay at 43 years old in a season where you had no OTAs, no preseason, huge limitations on practice and time in the tra- training facilities. Everything stacked up against you. Seven and five on the bye. And everyone's saying, mm, looks like Brady needed Belichick more than he wants to admit. And then after the bye week, the team recharged their batteries, got focused, and they end the season with four straight wins. 11-5, and five, good enough for the five seed. And then against the Washington football team, wasn't a great performance. Defensively, they were pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. Brady, pretty good. Not great, but enough to win. And then in New Orleans, where... They lost two games in the regular season. One of them was hands down, without a doubt, the worst loss of Tom Brady's career. Everyone doubted him. Everyone. And before everyone says, oh, Drew Brees, he's clearly out of his prime. He's going to retire, all this stuff. 
okay, but what about that defense? That defense was outstanding all year long. The Saints were clearly a powerhouse defensive team with an unbelievable run game. Drew Brees this year was a game manager. Without a doubt, 100%, he was a game manager this year. And there's a reason why Jameis Winston came in for that one beautiful touchdown throw. Beautiful throw. And a lot of people are asking, including myself, if Drew Brees was struggling to throw the ball down the field and Jameis Winston could throw the ball that well, why not put Jameis in? That's a question and a conversation for another day, but I want to make sure I'm covering all the bases here for you people who are doubting Brady. So in the playoffs, where it counts the most, a team that's absolutely embarrassed you twice in the regular season, on the road, you win. And it's off to the NFC Championship game in Lambeau Field against MVP Aaron Rodgers, who you did beat in the regular season, but that was at home. few things didn't go the Packers' way. Aaron Rodgers playing from behind. At home, it's going to be a different story, right? Tom Brady had one of the most amazing first halves of his career. That end of the first half touchdown he threw, I'll give you that it was definitely botched defensive coverage, 100%. But that does not take away from what an amazing throw that was. It was an amazing throw. And then... I can already hear the people, well, what about the second half? Three interceptions. Two of those interceptions were tipped by the receiver. Ball should have been caught. One of them, yeah, one of them was a bad throw by Brady. But here's the thing. The defense held strong. Aaron Rodgers could not do anything with any of those takeaways. And the Bucks win on the road at Lambeau. Go to the Super Bowl. And then in the Super Bowl, Brady delivered an unbelievable performance. There have been Super Bowls he's had where he's thrown for more yards. There have been Super Bowls he's had where he's thrown more touchdowns. But he was 21 of 29 for 201 yards. Not great by any means. But watching the game... He knew exactly what he wanted to do before he threw each pass. Those short passes and the yards after the catch the receivers had, that was the game plan. Brady didn't want to go deep. Brady knew the way we're going to beat these guys is we're going to run the ball and we're going to make these short passes count. And if you look at his touchdown passes, eight-yard touchdown pass to Rob Gronkowski, Then he had another short pass to Gronk, which Gronk took 17 yards for the touchdown. And then a one-yard touchdown throw to Antonio Brown. And then out of his eight incompletions, only two, two of them that I can think of off the top of my head were bad throws. And they weren't in danger of being intercepted. He overthrew the receiver. And then a lot of people are going to be like, well, the, the penalties, the, those were BS penalties. Oh, oh, really? I'm a firm believer that What you show me in the regular season is who you are. For all of you that are like, the penalties, those were BS. In the regular season, 
the Chiefs were the fourth most penalized team in the NFL with 105 penalties. The Bucks, the 20th most with 84. Well, it, it's the Brady effect. They, they, really? Really? Okay. Keep telling yourself that. And even if that was the case, I'll, I'll humor you who question that. How are you going to question Brady's greatness when even if that is the case, he still delivers with those opportunities? He makes the most of them. And that's what you have to do to win in the NFL. You have to make the most of your opportunities. And there has never been anyone who has capitalized on opportunity the way Tom Brady has. Ever. Not even close. And if you want to look, Tom Brady was the greatest of all time long before this Super Bowl. I was told that he was the greatest of all time when he won that Super Bowl against Seattle. And from that moment on, how I perceived Tom Brady was everything that he does in his career from this moment forward, he just continues to separate himself even further from everyone else. And then what does he do next? That 28-3 comeback against Atlanta. The most unbelievable comeback I think that we have ever seen. Another Super Bowl appearance against the Philadelphia Eagles, which ultimately he did lose, but he lit up the stat sheet. And like I've said before, I'm not going to be hypocritical. What ultimately matters is wins, and he did not win. So I don't believe that particular game added to his legacy, but he had already done so much that it didn't take away from his legacy. And then another Super Bowl win against the Rams, which a lot of people will say, oh, that one doesn't count. It was, it was such a boring Super Bowl. Okay. Tom Brady was not the reason why they won that game, but he most definitely was the reason why they got there in the first place. That added to his legacy, winning the Super Bowl at 41 years old. And now this. With all the adversity that he faced that I spoke of, no OTAs, no preseason, COVID-restricting practice, all those factors working against him at 43 years old, and you handily beat the best quarterback currently in the NFL. Tom Brady has his seventh Super Bowl. And all the firsts that this is now. He now has, by himself, more Super Bowls than any one NFL franchise. The Patriots and the Steelers both have six. And the funny thing is, the Patriots, all six of them were with Tom Brady. All six. So Tom Brady now has more Super Bowls by himself than any NFL franchise. Tom Brady is the first quarterback to win multiple Super Bowls aged 40 or older. Tom Brady is now the first quarterback to win the Super Bowl for both the AFC and 
the NFC. Tom Brady just continues to separate himself from everyone else. Folks, it's not even close. It's not even a debate anymore. The only thing you can debate is there a more talented quarterback than Tom Brady. Yes, there definitely is quarterbacks that are more talented than Tom Brady. I'll give you two of them right now. John Elway, who in my opinion is the most talented quarterback I have ever seen in my life, and Aaron Rodgers, who is the second most talented quarterback I have ever seen in my life. Talent you can debate all day around. Tom Brady's not the most athletically gifted person. He's a great athlete because he takes such good care of his body, and he was drafted in baseball as well. So the fact that he was drafted in multiple sports... He's athletic, but he's definitely not the most athletic. So yes, talent is still a debate, but as far as best all-around quarterback, it's not even close, folks. Stop trying to fight it. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in the history of football. Period. Point blank. And now what I want to get to is... What does this do to Patrick Mahomes? And you want the answer to that? Nothing. This does not hurt Patrick Mahomes' legacy at all. The only thing this does to Patrick Mahomes... Sorry, Patrick, but you're not going to be the greatest of all time. You might be the most talented of all time, but this is really going to hurt you as far as the greatest of all time goes. But as far as his legacy, folks, he still has the potential that I spoke of earlier. It's still there. He had a bad game. Folks, if Denzel Washington made a bad movie, would you stop going to see Denzel Washington movies? Of course we wouldn't. Because he's made so many good ones in the past, we're not going to hold the one bad one against him. In his time as a starter in the NFL... Patrick Mahomes, including the postseason, has a record of 44 wins and 10 losses. And his loss in the Super Bowl, out of those 10 losses, the one in the Super Bowl was the first time that he has lost by more than one score. Combined, he's completed 66% of his throws for 14,152 yards in the regular season with 114 touchdown passes to only 24 interception with a passer rating of 108.7. Folks, Patrick Mahomes is still, right now, the best quarterback in the NFL. This does not hurt that whatsoever. The only thing this did was it ensured Brady's legacy is Brady's legacy, and we're not ever going to see this again. The NFL is designed for this Not to happen. A Patriots dynasty like we saw, we were not supposed to see that. They kept defying the odds, which just shows what a brilliant football mind Bill Belichick is and how superior Tom Brady is. That's all it did, folks. And it's not fair to put that loss yesterday on Patrick Mahomes. He did throw two interceptions, but look at how often he was pressured. Have you ever seen Patrick Mahomes running for his life the way he was in the Super Bowl? I sure didn't, because it's never happened before. 
he was pressured 29 times in the game, which is a Super Bowl record. He was running for dear life, and to be quite honest, he looked like he didn't know what to do. And it's not because he's not good enough. It's because he's never faced that before and put yourself in a position where you're doing something you've never done before. It's pretty uncomfortable. It's very unfortunate that it just so happened he faced this for the first time in the Super Bowl, but you have to take his past success into account when evaluating Patrick Mahomes. One game does not and should not redefine what your current legacy is. It shouldn't. Now, if going into next season, this starts to become not necessarily a regular occurrence, but it happens on a somewhat consistent basis, then that's when you start to question, how good is Patrick Mahomes really? Because maybe now teams are going to know, okay, this this is another way to beat you. Because we already know what the strategy has been for the last two seasons on how to beat Patrick Mahomes. You run the football. Keep him on the bench. Keep him off the field. We're going to run the football, drain the clock, score, let them do what they're going to do, get the ball back, run the football, keep him off the field, score. But now you start to question, have we found another way to make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable? Have we found another way to beat Patrick Mahomes? I don't know. I personally believe that this game was an anomaly. I don't think this is going to be a regular occurrence by any stretch of the imagination. Patrick Mahomes was missing his two best offensive linemen. That's significant, folks. That is very significant. You need to have your best players around you, even the great one. What would Aaron Rodgers look like if he didn't have the good offensive line that he had? And has consistently had. Green Bay has consistently had good offensive lines around Aaron Rodgers. They develop offensive linemen very well. How much better would Russell Wilson be if he had a good offensive line? Dak Prescott has always had good offensive lines up until this year. And what happened this year? Season-ending injury. Offensive linemen are crucial to your quarterback's success. Doesn't matter how talented you are, how great you are, you need your offensive linemen. I'm not going to hold this against Patrick Mahomes, folks. If anything, I'm going to hold it against Andy Reid. He looked very distracted last night. Understandably so. You know, thoughts and prayers are with that five-year-old girl and her family regarding the car crash Andy Reid's son got in. You have to think that's weighing heavy on his mind right now. In the uh, post-game press conference, Andy Reid even stated, I didn't have my guys prepared today. How often has Andy Reid not been prepared after a bye? Historically, he's the best coach in NFL history after a bye. Factual evidence. The numbers say he is historically the best coach in NFL history after a bye. Something was wrong, folks, and that had to have been it. Those timeouts to end the first half, 
basically helping Tampa Bay get another score. Those were like calls he used to make in Philadelphia. Those five straight NFC Championship games. Very questionable play calling. Very questionable use of timeouts. He went back to that. And you have to think now. Does this hurt Andy Reid's legacy? Because last season he finally got through. He finally won that Super Bowl. And everyone's asking, oh, has has he turned the corner? Where does this put him on? Andy Reid is still the best offensive-minded coach in the NFL. But it's definitely a question that has to be asked. I'm more of a person that gives people the benefit of the doubt. You show me something, and I will believe it until it's proven otherwise. And in the playoffs... This season, Andy Reid was very aggressive with his play calling. Look at that fourth down play call against Cleveland that clinched them the win. That's not a play call Andy Reid would have made in Philadelphia. So you have to think that he was very distracted by this family situation going on. And understandably so. Where would your mind be if this was your son? Where would your mind be if you were thinking about that poor little girl fighting for her life? And he wouldn't comment on it any further. So you have to think more will be revealed as the offseason progresses. But in the meantime, once again, thoughts and prayers are with that little girl. Keep fighting, please. You're, You're in my thoughts and prayers. And to the family as well, you're in my thoughts and prayers. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Let's go into some NBA. The NBA this year has been very hit and miss. And that's because we're dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. And there's been a lot of inconsistent play from star players. We're in a shortened 72-game season. And we're dealing with players that are having to quarantine because of contact tracing. You're having teams that are having to postpone games for a week or two at a time. It, it's just, it's, it's very frustrating. And you have to understand, I, I'm trying to understand as well, they're trying to keep the players safe. They're trying to keep the public safe. All this. But you have to ask yourself a question. Does this protocol that the NBA has in place, is it going to hurt the product in the long run. And what I mean by that is, are we really going to get the best teams that make the playoffs? Look at the playoff picture right now. You have teams on the outside looking in that coming into the year on paper were very, very heavy favorites to make the playoffs. The Toronto Raptors are on the outside looking in. The Dallas Mavericks are on the outside looking in. The New Orleans Pelicans are on the outside looking in. And you have to ask yourself, why is this? NBA players need to play consistently with each other to find that groove, to find each other's strength, to identify each other's weaknesses. And you take that away, a team isn't able to practice or play for a week or two at a time. 
they're going to be out of sync and it's going to show on the floor. And what I want to do right now is I want to identify if the season were to end today and despite all the roadblocks placed in front of these teams, all the struggles they faced, who do I think today are the 10 best teams in the NBA, my so-called power rankings. So I want to dive right into it. I'd be really interested to hear some feedback from you folks, but these are the 10 best teams in my eyes. Number 10, I have the Indiana Pacers, who currently sit 12-12, and 12, good for fifth in the Eastern Conference. They're struggling right now. They've lost five of six, and I think it's a fair question to ask right now. Was Victor Oladipo more important to that team than they cared to think or admit? I think it's a fair question. The one thing I will say, though, is Miles Turner has been a defensive anchor. He's carrying right now a league-best 3.6 blocks per game, and DeMontis Sabonis is simply great. He's incredible. I really, really like that team. I think they're very, very stacked across the board, and I do think once TJ Warren comes back and everyone starts getting back into the swing of things, they're going to be just fine. I really do. I really like the Pacers. Number nine, I have the Boston Celtics, who currently sit 12-10, and 10, good for fourth in the Eastern Conference. They've lost four of their last six. And look, right now they're not playing their best basketball, but that's because two of their best defensive players in Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown are out. And Jalen Brown's also very important to that offense. He's shown immense improvement from last year, and he was very good for them last year. I really like the Celtics as well. And I think they're going to be just fine. Jason Tatum is playing great basketball. Kemba Walker's still working his way back from missing the beginning of the season. But I think they're going to be just fine as well. I like Boston at number nine. Number eight, I have the Denver Nuggets, who currently sit 12-10, and 10, good for sixth in the Western Conference. They're struggling this season so far. They were under 500 for most of the early part of the season, worked their way back, and now they've lost three of their last four games. You have to wonder, when, when is this team going to show us what they were last year? Because with the exception of Jeremy Grant, who left for the Detroit Pistons, this is very much most of the same team that we saw last year that played great just about the entire season and went on that incredible playoff run in the bubble. The one positive this team has going for them right now is Nikola Jokic is playing outstanding offensive basketball. Last week he had a game with 47 points, and then the next game he topped it with 50 points. They have to figure out how to capitalize on these huge performances from Nikola Jokic, but I do believe they will do so. They're a very well-coached team. They have... Great team chemistry between Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. is coming back strong. I think they're going to be okay as well. Number seven, I have the Brooklyn Nets. They currently sit 14 and 11, third best in the Eastern Conference. I'm not going to mince words. They are an incredible offensive team. There's no doubt about it. And it just shows that when all three of their 
core pieces play. They're four and two. But they can't play defense to save their lives, folks. I just don't see how they're going to be able to make a deep playoff run if this is the kind of team we're going to see on a consistent basis. Kyrie Irving doesn't play defense at all. James Harden has improved on the defensive end over the years, but that's definitely not a strong suit. And Kevin Durant has shown the ability to play very good defense at times, but he doesn't do it. So you have to wonder, are they going to figure this out? Or is this the team that we're going to see? We're going to have to wait a little longer to find out, however, because Kevin Durant is currently in quarantine due to contact tracing for the second time this season. But more will be revealed. The one thing I do know, however, is the Brooklyn Nets are a very fun team to watch. They have all the talent in the world. I just, I really am concerned about the defense issue. At number six, I have the Phoenix Suns. They currently sit 13-9, and nine, good for fourth in the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns are a team that's been affected by the COVID-19 protocols. They were in contact tracing for a week, lost all flow, all momentum. They had built from a strong early start of the season, going 5-1. and one. Bad loss to the Detroit Pistons, bad loss to the Washington Wizards, but... The one thing that has been consistent is the Chris Paul effect. Chris Paul has had a very strong impact on this team for the better. It's a slower pace to the offense than we saw last season with Ricky Rubio. Devin Booker has been used to a much faster pace offense his entire career. And his early numbers to start the season have shown he's still getting used to this slower pace offense, but he's making great decisions scoring clutch baskets. He had that game winner against the Dallas Mavericks, and right now Phoenix has won five of their last six games. And you have to think also they, they're currently going through team injuries. Jay Crowder has missed the last couple games. Dario Saric hasn't played a game since getting out of contact tracing, and they're still missing Cameron Payne. They get all these guys back. They stay with the flow that Chris Paul has helped them develop. I really like Phoenix's chances going forward to stay in the top four of the Western Conference. Number five, I have the Milwaukee Bucks, who sit 15-8, and eight, good for second in the Eastern Conference. They had an amazing week. They won five games in a row. Giannis had that triple-double last week, and I really, really like what Drew Holiday has brought to the team, and more so than Giannis. I think he's helped Chris Middleton improve immensely. I really, really like what they bring to the table this year. It's just a different feel than when you had Eric Bledsoe as your point guard. Drew Holiday has brought a new type of energy to the team. The one thing they do have to worry about, though, they have to take smarter shots in clutch time. I really, really like the Milwaukee Bucks this year. I don't think this is the year for Giannis for another MVP, but I do think he is more focused on team than individual stats this year, and I think it's going to show in the playoffs. Number four, I have the Los Angeles Clippers at 17-8, and good for third in the Western Conference. They've lost three of four 
they had both Kawhi and Paul George in contact tracing, and they got out. It looked like they hadn't missed a beat, and then Paul George and Patrick Beverly both have missed the last few games with injury. Kawhi's carrying the load, doing very well individually, but it's not translating to team success. A few of his teammates are struggling as far as Ibaka, Batum, but I don't think it's cause for concern right now. I do think that this is a better team than last year. The only problem for them is they're not the only team that has improved from last season. I do believe the Lakers have improved. Utah has obviously improved. It's going to be an interesting time come playoffs for the Los Angeles Clippers, that's for sure. I like them at number four. Number three, I have the Philadelphia 76ers at 17-7. and seven first in the Eastern Conference. They've won five of their last six, and let's just say Embiid has to be the MVP favorite right now. He is playing lights out. He has been clutch all year long. He's His stats for this season so far, he's averaging 29 points per game, 10 rebounds, and as a center in the NBA, he's averaging 39% from three-point range. He has to be the clear-cut favorite for the MVP right now. And I think they can stay first in the Eastern Conference. I really do. I really, really do. Number two, I have the Los Angeles Lakers at 18-6. and six, Good for second in the Western Conference. They've won four straight games. And LeBron James is just an ageless wonder. He does not look like he played all the regular season games he did last year, all the playoff games he did last year, and then went through a very, very quick turnaround. It hasn't missed a single game yet this season, and it doesn't even look like his minutes have been restricted at all. And Anthony Davis, although his numbers are down from what they were last year, he's been very, very consistent. He's been outstanding on the defensive end of the ball, and I really, really like how Montrez Harrell feeds off of his game. I think this is a much better fit for Montrez Harrell than the Clippers were last year. And right now, I, th- I think they still have to be the favorites to win it all. I really do. I don't see a team right now that come playoff time should be favored over them. I really don't. But right now they're number two because my number one team in the NBA right now is the Utah Jazz at 19-5, and good for first in the Western Conference. They have won an unbelievable 15 of their 16 games. And I'm a big believer that the plus-minus stat identifies a lot of who you are as a basketball player. Mike Conley leads the league in plus-minus, and Utah may be the most well-rounded team in the NBA. I love Indiana when they're fully healthy, but they are getting consistent contributions from all five of their starters. Rudy Gobert never been a threat on the offensive end at all, but defensively you just you know what you're going to get from him on a nightly basis. Donovan Mitchell, oh my goodness, you are incredible. And Jordan Clarkson has to be favorite for sixth man of the year right now. He has been unbelievable. As a sixth man, I like Utah at right now currently as the best team in the NBA. All right, joining me right now is my buddy Matt. We're going to be talking 
some Super Bowl, and we're going to give our list of what I've been talking about, the 10 greatest teams to have never won a Super Bowl. Matt, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? I mean, I'm great, man. The GOAT just won his seventh ring. You know how happy I was last <laughs> night. Matt and I watched the game together last night. What are your thoughts about that? Where, where does – is it even disputable at this point? Is Brady – No. No. I mean, I think Mahomes, in terms of natural skill, is more talented. I do, too. But, you know, I think people that are calling Mahomes the GOAT, and I'm using my air quotation symbols right now, I think that they're they're not really doing Mahomes any favors by saying that. I don't either, and I shared a little earlier on the show that I think his career trajectory outside of his MVP which he could very well possibly have too, if not for uh, Lamar Jackson's amazing year that he had last year. Very, very similar careers. Russell Wilson lost his first year as a starter in the playoffs. Following year, won the Super Bowl. Third year, lost in the Super Bowl to Tom Brady. I think their careers are very, very similar through their first three seasons. The only difference, though, Wilson's longevity and what he's been able to do with less because he's gotten to now his third quarterback contract. He he's he's proven more. Yeah, he has. So what I was saying basically is I think Mahomes is elite. I think he's oh, yeah. still without question the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And he wasn't the reason why they lost last night. There mm-hmm. there were ten different reasons why they lost the outside of at just terrible O-line coverage, or protection, I should say. It was, you know, I think people that are going to blame this all on Mahomes um, didn't really watch the game and were really just looking to downplay Mahomes, if that makes sense. No, absolutely, and there was some very, very questionable play calls. I, was, I also brought it up earlier in the show. Andy Reid's play calling reminded me a lot of his Philadelphia days, some very, very questionable use of the timeout, some very questionable play calls. I think he was distracted a little bit because of what happened with his son getting in that drunk driving accident. Absolutely, I brought that up earlier as well. I do think... I'm not saying the Chiefs would have won that just because of how well the Bucs played, but I definitely think we could have gotten a very great Super Bowl had Andy Reid not been distracted and called a better game. I think so as well. It's going to be interesting to see what happens next year because, I mean, as currently constructed, I do think that you have to put the Chiefs as the favorites as of right now to get back to the Super Bowl. And maybe win it, too. Maybe win it. Uh, it's, It's all going to depend on free agency. It's all going to depend on draft because, I mean, the Bills are maybe a couple pieces away from winning the AFC. The Ravens, I think they definitely underachieved this year. I think... They may be a few pieces away. And that's what I want to ask you about as well before we get into our list. Matt is a Ravens fan, everyone. So he's been a little disappointed the last couple years. Very, very high expectations. Haven't really delivered through them. What are your thoughts on the Ravens as far as what do they need to do in the offseason to deliver on those expectations? Well, I think our offense needs to work better on drops. Um, I think Mark Andrews in postseason games um, 
definitely falls short of what he does in the regular season on a consistent basis. Um, and I think that the main piece that the Ravens need right now is a number one wide receiver, and me and Tommy talked about that yesterday. Um, you know, I think Allen Robinson would be a good fit. Um, I think he fits well in a more gritty run-style defense to where he may not be the number one on a Kansas City or even a Buffalo, but I think for Baltimore, somebody like Allen Robinson would be a perfect fit. I think so too, because let's face it, I like Marquise Brown a lot, but he's not a legitimate number one in this league, at least not in that style offense. I even think a Marvin Jones would make perfect sense as well. He's a free agent, so I definitely think they need to get a legitimate number one wide receiver as well. And I also wanted to add too, like, you know, Lamar, (laughs) it's controversy time. I think Lamar has done a little bit more with less than Patrick Mahomes has done with all of his weapons in Kansas City. I think if I'm looking at the two quarterbacks in the AFC – and I think, I think that Lamar in 2019, between the two of them overall, had the most dominant season between the two of them. And we've had that conversation before. I'm uh, not saying he's better. I'm just, and I don't think he is. No, just, I mean, he's definitely not better. But another thing I was talking about earlier on the show as well is I think Lamar made huge strides this season as a yeah, passer. Yeah, he did. He I did. think he was just as effective and smarter running the football. He didn't take as many hard hits as he did the year prior, but he he was much more efficient passing the football, improved completion percentage, improved passer rating. And the, the game that really sold me on that, even though they lost, was the New England game. He played very, very well, all things considered, in what was essentially... A hailstorm, basically. That game had terrible conditions. He was still throwing the ball fairly well, given Mm -hmm. the conditions of the weather. I really, really liked what I saw from him as a passer this year, and I think he's only going to get better. He's very committed to his craft, takes practice very, very seriously, is always looking to improve. He's thirsting for a Super Bowl right now. Absolutely, and I... One of my favorite things that I love to see, which is a reason why I love Phillip Rivers as much as I do, he's the kind of guy when a play doesn't go the way it's supposed to, he gets, he mad. gets mad. He's up and he's yelling at his teammates. He wants to perfect his craft. Yeah, he's definitely a leader. You know, he lets his play do. He lets his play do his talking for him. You know, he's very hum- humble when he talks to the media. I think so. He doesn't. Well, yeah. You know, he's not really. Super chatty, if that makes sense. He's not overly arrogant. Um, That's another reason why I think the Chiefs lost this Super Bowl. They were talking a lot over the last two weeks. Um, But, yeah, I think Lamar, you know, he's one of the best players we have in the NFL right now. And I can only see him getting better and better. I mean, people forget the dude is only, what, 23 years old? He's very young. Very young. Youngest MVP in NFL history. Only the second unanimous MVP behind Brady in 07. Right. You know, like, now do I think it should have been unanimous? Uh, Not necessarily. Well, well, yeah, I also brought up earlier in the show that had Lamar not had the season, he had that MVP season as far as running the the football 
it would have been Patrick Mahomes back to back MVPs. Yeah. Or if Mahomes didn't get injured and missed a few games. That that too. That's something yeah. I did not bring up is the fact that he did miss, I believe it was three games that season, but mm-hmm. still when he played, he just lit it up. Yeah, he did. But uh what about the defense, Do you, uh, you guys were hit, in my opinion, harder than anyone else as far as COVID this season. You you missed a lot of key players and a we lot did. of different games. That game that kept getting postponed with Pittsburgh, it was just, it was almost laughable. It was basically a practice squad versus the We Pittsburgh still Steelers. almost won. You still almost won, which is why I legitimately ask myself, had you guys stayed healthy all season long, do you think it would have played and three. out? Thirteen and three, you think so? Yeah. I do think had you stayed healthy, it would have been your division to win, absolutely. I just wonder would it have made a difference as far as playoffs go? Do do you think you guys could have, if not beaten, played a very close game with Kansas City? Uh, I think Kansas City gives us same tr- the same kind of troubles that Peyton Manning did. As of as far as from what I've seen when the two teams face off so far, our kryptonite, in the words of Lamar, is Kansas City and Mahomes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that Lamar can play well against pretty much any team, and I think we could have beaten Buffalo if it wasn't for how bad the wins were that game. Um, you know, I don't think our team, with how young they are, it's not like we have Terrell Suggs anymore, you know, it's not like we have those vets you know, and I don't think this team was used to playing in high wind games or really like, as you said before, like monsoon style games in New England. And I think that's why we lost to Buffalo because I saw plenty of potential for us to win that game in Buffalo. Buffalo didn't take charge of the game until no. very late. It was. It wasn't the- over until Lamar threw the pick six. Right, which essentially and got hurt. Which essentially, I don't even want to say a lot of people that I've talked to about this say they disagree, but I've watched that play over and over again. I could see what Lamar saw watching it over and over again and why he made that throw. It's just a shame that that was the outcome. I don't think it was a bad decision by Lamar. So people that were questioning his decision-making, and you also have to remember at that point in time, that was Lamar Jackson's first ever red zone interception. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And people always want to talk about how Oh, he's not a good thrower of the football. He hardly turns it over. He does not turn it over. That's the thing. You know? How and when he does, it's usually not his fault. Absolutely. So that's what I just found so amazing about it and why I talk about it. I've also talked about a lot earlier in the show giving people the benefit of the doubt, which is why I talked about this loss does not necessarily hurt Mahomes' legacy by any stretch of the imagination he still has plenty of potential going forward to be considered one of the greatest of all time. The only thing that this hurts, he's Basically. not, not going to be Tom Brady. No. And th- that's not a fair expectation to have on anyone because there's only going to be one Tom Brady. There were slim chances of that happening even before he lost. Absolutely. So, you know. And I mean, could he potentially become the GOAT? Sure, a meteor could also strike Earth. <laughs> right. You know, I could also get hit by an ambulance as soon as I leave Tommy's house. It, you know, it's very unlikely. Right. But, you know, it's... It, 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 I, I put it... The, the way I described it was we saw last night, we saw history in two different ways. Mm-hmm. But what we saw 
in Tom Brady is something that we're just never going to see again. Yeah. We are never going to see a quarterback win seven Super we, Bowls. We can't give him all the credit, though. That defense showed it. Right, up. absolutely. And I'm not trying to give him all the Todd credit. Bowles would get my MVP award if you could give a coach an MVP. Well, I mean, what about Byron Leftwich as well? Oh, yeah. Byron Leftwich did such a phenomenal job game planning that offense. But Brady, though, I talked about opportunity. And the reason why Aaron Rodgers is not in my top five quarterbacks of all time. He's the second most talented quarterback I've ever seen in my life. And I understand, and I'm not going to argue people who say he's the most talented, because I get it. But the great elite quarterbacks, they simply capitalize on opportunity. Mm -hmm. They deliver more times than not when it matters most. Tom Brady last night at 43 years old, was he helped out a little bit with some questionable play calls? Absolutely. There were flags that were thrown that... But he took advantage of them. He took advantage of them. He didn't make mistakes. I talked about how I watched every single pass that he threw last night for a second time. He made two bad throws the entire game, and neither one of the two were in danger of being intercepted. He just overthrew his receiver. There was no defender in the vicinity. He capitalized and made the yeah. most of his and opportunity. Give credit to the Bucks where we <clears throat> excuse me. We gotta give credit to the Bucks where it's due too, because they built around him. This is how you build around a forty three year old quarterback. And bringing in people he trusts. Yep. He brought in Rob Gronkowski. He brought in Antonio Brown. He really wanted Leonard Fournette. Yeah. They b- brought in people that he wanted. They, they showed listened. him they showed him we trust you. That's all he wanted from Bill Belichick. He finally got it in Tampa Bay, and it's his best team since, in my opinion, two thousand seven. I um, would not disagree with that at all. Talent wise, I'm not saying in the regular season that it was their sec- his second best, but you know, in terms of what we got in the postseason, this team was phenomenal, and I doubted them other than the Washington game. I think anybody with a brain would have picked them to win that, but. I pretty much picked against them every step of the way. The only game I was a little bit iffy on was them against New Orleans just because of how bad they were. And the only game I doubted them on was the Super Bowl. I was very, very hesitant because at the end of the day, I've told you on numerous occasions when you asked me who I thought would win that I would never question or pick against Tom Brady. But logically. Logically and so far statistically and historically – when has Patrick Mahomes let us down? Even that AFC Championship loss, we all question what would have happened if Patrick Mahomes had a chance. At he the outplayed football. Brady in that game. He essentially did. Yeah. He he lost because New England's defense and New England's run game. And if we're being honest, the Chiefs were the better team this year overall. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. The Chiefs were the best team in all of football this year. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And I think. As far as the Chiefs go, we'll look back on this team as having one of the greatest offenses in NFL history. Well, I, I already brought up earlier in the show that I think this is the Chiefs' best defense that they've had oh, yeah. with Patrick Mahomes. Oh, so yeah. They rank I, top 10. I, I so definitely believe this is the best Chiefs they're team. They're bend but don't break, but they're also opportunistic. If they see an opportunity to pick the ball off, they'll absolutely do it. Absolutely. And the one thing I wanted to ask you before we move on to the list that I know everyone's so excited to hear us go at each other for. There's a lot of people who believe in the Tom Brady effect as far as the referees favoring Brady, giving him the calls, which I think is flat out ridiculous. 
But to those people, I you know me, I do my research. Yes. I looked it up. I'm a firm believer that a team is what they show me they are in the regular season. And to everyone who's like, they called too many penalties against the Chiefs, this and that. The Chiefs were the fourth most penalized team in the NFL this year with 105 yep. penalties. Yep. Hearing that, does that change your mindset or were you already under the belief that they weren't doing Brady any favors, they were calling the game as they saw it? I think even without those penalties, sure, it would have been closer maybe, but I still think we're looking at like at least 24 to 10 bucks. I, I don't think that's unreasonable yeah. to think at all. Uh, and like we talked about, it's all about capitalizing on your opportunity, and essentially Brady did that. Brady was given second chances due to penalties, and he delivered. Yeah. Okay, so they... With with what the Chiefs were able to do this season, you know, I when I looked at what they had to go through in the playoffs, they had a much easier road to get there than the Bucks did. You know, other than the Washington game, I think that was probably one of the easiest games for any actual contending playoff team. I think Washington was just happy that they actually won their division. Well, and I think the Bucks were a little taken aback, too, because, let's be honest, Taylor Heineke performed much better than yeah. any of us thought he would. Yeah, you know, like, it, it was their first time in the playoffs since, like, what, 2007, I think? Yeah, since 2007 was the last time they were in. Yeah, so, you know, if you look at the players, they, they still had a good chunk of players that they had, the Bucks had, from the last few seasons. And I think that they were a little bit too excited at the beginning of that game and gave up some big plays on defense. But after that game, their defense was phenomenal. Oh, 100%. You know, to force Breeze to have three turnovers. Like, let's be real, the Bucks didn't just beat Mahomes. They beat Breeze to get there, who swept them in the regular season. They beat the MVP, who, in my opinion, was, if not unanimous, should have been very close to unanimous in Aaron Rodgers. Well, I, I think you would have gotten still some votes for Josh Allen and Mahomes. Yeah, but if we look at stats, I'm just giving my opinion oh, on no, it. Oh, no, no, 100%. His touchdown-to-turnover ratio was... I mean, I think he... It was one of the best I've ever seen. I think he broke the record for the second-best and it was his own record, and he also holds the number yeah. one record. So he just yeah. can, he's another one of those guys that's just an ageless wonder. He's great. He's, he's making their d draft choice of even more ridiculous than when they first made the choice. We all question it from the beginning. What are you doing choosing a quarterback? You need another wide receiver. You need some defensive help. And now that he had the season that he had, he's just making them look even more ridiculous, and it makes you wonder, are they going to? keep rolling with him for the next few years? Is this going to be his last year in Green Bay? I don't know. That's a question for and conversation for another day, but 100%, you're right on the money there. What he did, what they did, I should say, the Bucks was just outstanding, and it there's was, a lot of people... It was very Giants-esque, in my opinion. I, I, I this was so. like This was like one of those... And nothing to take away from the Bucks. I think talent-wise, they were fantastic, but this was like almost like a fairy tale team. You know? I think so too. And if you watch how they beat Patrick Mahomes last night, it was the same way, in essence, that the Giants beat Tom Brady in 07. They got, it, this they one got was to, just a blowout. This one was a blowout, absolutely. <laughs> and it was Tom Brady's biggest 
margin of victory in a Super Bowl ever. Mm-hmm. And he holds now so many different records. I was looking this up earlier, and when I saw this, I was just like, he continues to set records, and no one's talking about him because it's become the norm. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go through these real quick before we move on. So these are now all the records that Tom Brady has in the Super Bowl. Seven wins, ten appearances, five MVPs, 21 touchdown passes, 3,039 yards, three different decades with the Super Bowl win, oldest quarterback at 43 years old, 188 days, 277 completions, 421 attempts, six game-winning drives, three... Or, I'm sorry, four three-plus passing touchdown games and four 300-yard games. It's ridiculous. And, again, we will never see anything close to this level of excellence again. And to think he was drafted 199. Right. And if you look at his draft, if you look at his draft workout footage, it makes sense why he was drafted that low. Very much so. You know. Very much so. Well... Now we're going to get into our list. So a little bit of a backstory on this before we get started. So Matt and I were talking a few weeks ago, and it came to my mind, you know, every year we always have that one, sometimes those two unbelievably great teams that just dominate in the regular season. For example, this year we had two 13-3 win teams in the Bills and the Packers, and we also had the Chiefs at 14-2. And there's always that one team. Last year, it was the Ravens at 14-2. and two. Who are the 10 best teams that did not win a Super Bowl? I'm not talking about necessarily lost in the Super Bowl. They could have lost in the first round or maybe even not even made the playoffs and should have. I don't have any of those teams in my list. I don't know matter. But there are plenty of teams that... Luck just didn't go their way. They weren't prepared in that particular moment. Who knows? But Matt and I are here to debate who are the 10 greatest teams to have not won a Super Bowl. He has his list. I have my list. We haven't looked at them because we wanted the authentic feel of either I agree with you, I disagree with you, we're going to talk it out, not necessarily sway each other's opinions, but I'm curious to hear what he has to say. I know he's curious to hear what I have to say. So, Matt, guess first, who is your number 10 team? 2004 Eagles. The 2004 Eagles. Why? Um, This team was the most dominant team in the NFC for years and just couldn't get over the hump. Then they add Terrell Owens. They finally get over that NFC championship hump. And if you watch the highlights of that Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl, which I have on numerous occasions. Had it not been for McNabb's idiotic turnovers in the first, let's say, two quarters, I fully believe with how they were playing, they could have won that game. And they were just dominant all year. They made the NFC look like a joke. Now, mind you, I want to be very clear. The NFC was actually a relatively weak conference, which is why this team is so low on my list, because they didn't really have anybody that was even coming close to them. The AFC was a drastically better conference in 2004. 
but I still think that with the way this team played against arguably the best Patriots team to win a Super Bowl in 2004, I think that, you know, I think that this team deserves a lot of credit. Um, I think that it's one of, if not the best, Andy Reid teams ever. And we really saw McNabb at his full potential that the Eagles saw when he first got drafted. This was by far McNabb's best season. Um, I think that there was a strong case that he should have been MVP that season. Um, I also think he should have gotten it in 2002 over Rich Gannon, but that's another story for another day. Um, and yeah, and you know, what Terrell Owens was able to do, like, it was the best quarterback-wide receiver connection that I saw that entire season. And it's probably one of the best statistically and in terms of efficiency that I've seen, period, in my lifetime. So, you know, that's why they're number 10. They should be higher, but due to the lack of heavy challenges in their conference, that's why they're so low. Okay. My number 10 team is the 2009 Minnesota Vikings. Mm. Finished the season 12-4. and four. That was the year, Favre's first year in Minnesota, and you could just tell by watching him play, he wanted to let Green Bay know, you made a mistake moving on yeah. from me too quickly. They were very, very fun to watch. Brett Favre had a career high in not only passer rating, but completion percentage. I remember when they beat not not beat trounced the Dallas Cowboys in the divisional round. Oh, 30, it was a joke. Thirty four <laughs> to three. It was an absolute just. It it was it was pathetic, is what it was from the Dallas Cowboys. And then in the NFC Championship game, mm-hmm. if it wasn't the key to that was turnovers. The uh, Saints had a five to one advantage in turnovers, and Favre's game ceiling interception. They lost the game 31-28. to Which, unfortunately, he became known for in NFC Championships. He definitely did. His last pass for the Packers was also a game-ending interception. But the team left its stamp. You know, they were number two in total offense in the NFL yeah. that year. And they were above average in defense. They were number 10 in defense as well. I think they were better than the Colts that season. I do, too. I definitely do, too. You know. Number nine. The 2020 Chiefs. The 2020 Chiefs. Why? Um, I am a big fan of point differential. I am too. I think and, that tells a lot about a team. And if I'm looking at this team's challenges to getting to 14-2, and two, they did not have an easy schedule. They had to play the Bucks, the Saints, the Ravens, they beat every playoff team they faced, you know. Um, and to beat Buffalo in a game that everybody thought would be close and just dominate them, dominate them, to the point where you could see that the Bills were angry and tried to almost start a fight at the end of the game. You know, I think that if I'm looking at it, it would make no sense for me to have the 0-4 Eagles above this team because I think by far... This is the best team that Andy Reid has had thus far in his career. It's just my opinion. Okay. But, you know, I don't think the McNabb to Owens connection is as special as Mahomes to Kelsey or Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. 
Um, I think this team is more talented. Um, if I look at the defense, I think they're a little bit more opportunistic, other than, of course, Brian Dawkins. Um, but because their defense is bend but don't break, that's why they're number nine. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say that because of the points you brought up, they are good points. I'm not going to say that I disagree necessarily, but I'm more of the person that it kind of takes me a couple years to reflect and appreciate the greatness of a team, which is why I definitely wouldn't put them in my top 10 yet. But for all I know, I'm going to look back on this team and I'll be like, you know what? That was a good team and I did not appreciate them the way I should in the moment. My number nine team is the 1984 Miami Dolphins. The 84 Dolphins were 14-2, and and they were first in offense. Dan Marino won the MVP, and they were seventh in defense. And unfortunately, they did not look like the number one offense in the league in the Super Bowl, where they lost to the 49ers. No, they ran into a buzzsaw. 38 to 6 loss or thir- I'm sorry 38 to 16 loss in the Super Bowl. It was definitely a tragic ending for an unbelievable season by Marino, but it's one that I think you if you want to identify what makes Dan Marino in my opinion a top 5 quarterback of all time, you just show a highlight reel of his throws from that season yeah. and you make a you make that case. And- to your point on that team, too, it always makes me think, like, what if Dan Marino had what Joe Montana had? 100%. Because it's just like, if I'm watching them both highlight-wise, Dan Marino was the better quarterback. He he did have two uh, Pro Bowl wide receivers pretty consistently, but you, you look at it, them, Jerry Rice... Yeah. You know you know what I mean. And Dan Marino the, did a lot with less. And that's not to diminish Joe Montana's greatness whatsoever. No. But he definitely it, it's the it's the same as uh the Russell Wilson uh, Patrick Mahomes debate I was having earlier. Look at what Wilson's done with a lot less. Or what if Peyton had what Brady had in New England? 100%. 100%. Number 8. I told Tommy this team wasn't going to make my list, and they did. I had to look at the stats for it. The 2019 Ravens. 531 points scored, 282 given up. That is one of the best point differentials in NFL history. Um, They swept the NFC West. You know, the only playoff team they lost to was Kansas City. Lamar Jackson... And that, had, was a nar- that was a narrow win for Kansas City. Yes. The only team that really beat them convincingly prior to them choking in the playoffs was Cleveland. You know? Like, if you look at this team, they were so good that players from opposing teams were asking Lamar Jackson for his autograph on their jersey afterwards. Like, this is... In terms of balance... This is one of the most dominant teams that I that I saw with my own two eyes in the last 15 years. The only reason I disagree with you because that is definitely one of the best point differentials in NFL history and as far as the eye test goes when they won, they looked unbelievable and damn near flawless. My problem with them though, the, what I can't get out of my head 
is when the Titans exposed what their weakness was. It was very, very glaring, and it's an image I can't get out of my head. I believe that they're starting to shake that identity, however, the identity that Lamarck and the Ravens can't overcome playing from behind because they did it in the playoffs. They overcame a deficit against Tennessee in the rematch. But it's just, and again, it's probably part of that recency thing. I, I'm sure... I don't think they were exposed. I think they were unprepared and got way too much rest given how young that team was. They, they did rest, I, I think it was almost half of their starters, both defense and offense, in that they, final game. Yes, they did. And my whole thing is, if they had came prepared, this team might have gone to the Super Bowl and won it. Very, very possible... I know one thing's for sure. I really wanted to see that Kansas City Baltimore AFC Championship game. I think we. I, I still think we're gonna get it at some point. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. My number eight team, the two thousand four Philadelphia Eagles. I moved him up a spot. I cannot. If you wanna talk about the Eagles that year, and what a just intimidating force they were I think about one moment T.O. playing the Super Bowl with a broken leg it was just and for him to put up the numbers he put up yeah it was unbelievable like I said man if it wasn't for Donovan McNabb throwing boneheaded interceptions if you watch for anybody that's listening go back and watch the highlights of that game the Eagles could have very easily gone up 14 nothing. and the, the thing that blows me, it just blows me away. You look on paper and see the names that they had on offense, all the pro bowlers they had on offense, they only finished eighth in total offense that year and second in defense. That defense is one of the most underappreciated defenses. I wanted to bring up a point on my pick, by the way, that I almost forgot. The Ravens tied the record for most pro bowlers in a single season history with 13. That's another reason why they made my list. They definitely did have a lot of pro bowlers. Who's number seven for you? 2014 Seahawks. Ooh. That team was more efficient and had more... I'm not going to say they were better on defense than 2013. Um, I think they were close. But I think in terms of overall balance, their offense was more efficient, and it finally gave them that balance between offense and defense. This was clearly the best team in the NFL to me that season. Um, I just think the Patriots matched up well, but I think the Seahawks, if we're looking at it, they should have been the next dynasty in the NFL. If they win that Super Bowl, Marshawn Lynch doesn't end up going to Oakland. You know, um, literally, we were one yard away from changing the course of the NFL with that team. You know? This was a team that was robbed of... Well, I'm not going to say robbed. They robbed themselves of having a dynasty, you know? And I just look at what they did all year. They just embarrassed people, you know? Like, the Legion of Boom literally embarrassed people. You know, ball-hawking, like, Ham Chancellor. Jesus! Well, I, I remember because that was the year... The Super Bowl was in Arizona, and the Cardinals came into the season with all sorts of high expectations, wanting to be the first team to play the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Uh, Carson Palmer 
got off to this unbelievable start to the season, tears his ACL, in comes Drew Stanton, and that weekend we play the Seahawks at home on Sunday night football. And Marshawn Lynch just... We were flat oh. out embarrassed, and I remember thinking to myself, this team is probably the best team I've seen in probably since the 07 Patriots. Yeah. Robbed of a di- they robbed themselves of a dynasty. Marshawn Lynch was having the game of his life in that Super Bowl. And I truly believe because of his public image, you know, that they wanted Russell Wilson to be the MVP. You know, I think a lot of people were just like, oh, Marshawn Lynch doesn't like to talk to the media. I'm just here so I won't get fined. I loved that, but a lot of people in the media didn't. And I think that got in Pete Carroll's ear a little bit. And he was just like, all right, let's give Russell Wilson his moment to shine. I actually, like you, don't think it was a bad pass necessarily. I just think the receiver wasn't where he was supposed to be. But you have Marshawn Lynch. It's second down. You know? Yeah. So I I think that that team, while I don't think they were quite as dominant on defense, I think between the two in 2013 and 2014, this team had more balance and was more talented overall. My number seven team is the greatest show on turf, on turf 2001 St. Louis Rams. Mm. 14 and two and that season. What, what I find when I, when I was look, looking back, I wanted to see where they, they ranked offensively and defensively. I found this stat that I just thought was unbelievable. You know, every year Vegas releases uh, what they believe each team's win-loss record is going to be. Vegas knew that this team was going to be good. They had them pinned at 13-3, and three, and they exceeded that. That's how good they were. Finished 14-2, and two, and as far as offense and defense goes, number, defense one in, number one in offense and number seven in defense, and you could make a legit argument that they should have won that Super Bowl. Against the Patriots, Brady had one of one of the most clutch game-winning drives yeah. ever. Had but, they been healthy the year prior in two thousand, they probably would have gone back, you know, and we would have gotten a two thousand another Ravens, a two thousand Ravens versus that Rams. That would have been a phenomenal mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Like that's best another, offense versus best defense. I think the defense would have won that, but you know, well, I, I mean, it is one of the five best defenses I've ever seen. Maybe even one of the three best defenses yeah. I've ever seen so, in my life. I think that's another team that robbed themselves of a dynasty. I think they went in that game thinking like, oh, the Patriots, and I think a lot of people thought this at that time because Brady obviously wasn't Brady yet. That was the tough rule season. They yeah. probably shouldn't have even made it past Oakland, but. I think the Rams were thinking, these guys are just happy to be here. Mm. You know, we're going to win this game 45-7. to You know, and that defense for the Patriots, like, that was a big key to Brady's first three wins. Oh, 100%. They showed up. They did. You know, so, yeah. Who's your number six? The 1968 Colts. Really? Yes. 403 points scored. Only 144 points given up. That Super Bowl that they lost to the Jets is considered to be one of the top three greatest upsets in NFL history. 
this was a team that is still consistently put in the top 10 teams in the NFL of all time by experts and pundits, but they just lost the Super Bowl. So I'm going to stop you right there. I don't like it, and you know why I don't like it? Because we agree. That's my number 16, too, is the 1968 Baltimore Colts, and they were... I mean, they were a powerhouse. They were a powerhouse. You can make the argument they were better than the first two Packer teams. Well, what was insane to me, so you brought up their numbers, number two in offense, number one in defense, and in the NFL championship game to go to the winner goes to the Super Bowl, they trounced the Cleveland Browns thirty four to nothing. Yes. And, and that was the that Super Bowl that you're talking about, that was the Joe Namath one where he I guarantee we're going to beat the Colts. Yes. And here's the thing. That's one of those seasons where people that were old enough to see it, which obviously we are not, but people that were around to see it back then were just like, nobody's going to remember this as the Jets being the better team. They're going to remember it as like, damn, the Colts choked. Yeah. You know, like this was, I mean, it was arguably Don Shula's best team that he had. You know, outside of the undefeated team. Yeah, I think this team was more talented though. And what's even crazier, they put up these numbers, and Johnny Unitas wasn't there all season. They had a backup. Yep. And they put up these numbers. Yeah. You know, like it's it's ridiculous, and they're in the top. They're often listed in the top ten teams of all time. And they didn't even win the Super Bowl. And yeah, and that includes teams that have won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Teams that have won multiple, you know, so. All right. Well, that's the first one that we agree on. Who's your number five? 1987 49ers. 1987 49ers. 13-2-1. Best offense in the league. Best defense in the league. It was one of Joe Montana's best seasons. It was one of Jerry Rice's best seasons. You know, they had won the Super Bowl a few years prior. Um, It was kind of like the prelude to what we got from them in 88 and 89. And a lot of people thought this team was going to buzzsaw the playoffs. And somehow, someway, the average Minnesota Vikings went into... I, I think it was Candlestick back then, the stadium. But they went into San Francisco, and it was just like, what the hell just happened? You know, like, front f- down front down to bottom, this was arguably the one of the three best teams statistically that Joe Montana had. Mm-hmm. You know, number one in, like I said, number one in offense, number one in defense, fantastic point differential. You know, it, it, they were phenomenal. And they truly lost to a team that was average to be kind. You know what I mean? Like, this was a team that snuck their way into the playoffs. They had no business winning that divisional round, you know. And when we look at the fact that they only the 49ers only went 10-6 and six the year after and won the Super Bowl, this was a team that easily should have three-peated. Yeah. Okay. Mine is the 1967 Oakland Raiders. Mm, okay, that's a good one. So, finished the year 13-1, and basically identical statistically as far as that Colts team we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one in offense, number two in defense. 
absolutely trounced the Oilers 40-7 to in the AFL championship game, and then 33-14 to loss in the Super Bowl. They were... That was the original... I don't want to say original. That was the beginning of the hard-nosed, grit-and-grind Oakland Raiders that came about later on. And who knows, had they not ended up going up against Vince Lombardi in the Super Bowl, could have been a very different game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good pick. So, number four, um, I have the 2001 Rams. Okay. Um, I think that if we're looking at statistics and on paper, I think this was a better team than 99. Um, I think that it was, you know, it was their best balance. Because let's be real, that team in 99's defense was, it was good but not great. Uh-huh. Of the of the 99 Rams and the 01 Rams, I think this, in my opinion, was the better team. They had more balance. Um, I think that, you know... They had nearly just as much competition, but unlike 99, where they almost lost to Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship when mm-hmm. Kurt Warner just looked horrible and they needed a miracle to win, I think this team kind of just buzzsawed their way through, you know. The Eagles gave them a fight, you know. Yeah. They gave them a fight, but at, let's be real, they were not going to win that NFC Championship. I think that this was clearly one of the best offenses in NFL history, but to top it off, this time they had a defense to back them up. Right. I love their balance. Well, mine is the 1990 Buffalo Bills. Okay. 13-3, and and they are responsible for my personal favorite all-time playoff game, in the divisional round, it was Jim Kelly versus Dan Marino, 44-34 to 34 win. Uh, and then in the AFC Championship oh, game, they, they embarrassed the Raiders. 51-3. And then this is one of the most heartbreaking Super Bowl yes. losses in history. Yes. Wide right. Wide right. Had it just been a little oh, bit to man. the left. They had a lot of other issues in that Super Bowl, too, though. The Giants played them very well, kept the ball out of their hands. They ran it a lot, you know. They did. They did. But number one in offense, number six in defense, they were just such They were such a complete team. Yeah, they, they were. They were just... Loaded with Hall of Famers, too. Loaded. And to think that this is the same team that went four straight years and, mm-hmm. you know... And this was their best chance of winning one. This this was the team that if you're gonna say any of them should have won, it would. It you could make the argument for ninety one because I, I mean I mean yeah I, I I could see that but this this is the one yeah. to where it's just like oh I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it just what could have been different and you know. It's a, it's a great fan base. You, 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 oh, yeah. you, you can't help but just... They embarrass themselves sometimes, but, you know... I mean, I mean, what what they did for uh, Lamar's charity after that, oh, yeah, that they're, win, they're, they're just a great they're fan humble. base. So you, you, it's one of those, even if you're not a fan of the team, you can't help but be happy for the fans and want, want good for the fans because they, yeah. they definitely put themselves out there to try and to... And they deserve that. a championship. Oh, 100%. You know, so. All right, what about your number four? Oh, I already got number four. That was the O one. Or I'm I'm sorry, number three. Ninety eight Vikings. Really? Yes. Um, this was 
and it heartbreaks me to this day that this team, we did not get a 98 Broncos and 98 Vikings Super Bowl. John Elway still says to this day that he thinks that if he had to have played the 98 Vikings that he would have lost. Um, this was a team that people were so shocked that the Broncos nearly had a collapse against the Jets in the AFC Championship because they were so focused on the Vikings-Falcons game, mm-hmm. on like the Jumbotron or whatever. Randall Cunningham mm-hmm. resurrecting himself. Randy Moss, John Randall, Chris Carter. Like, this team was phenomenal. And I get it. Some people are like, oh, they were an indoor team. You know, like, I get that has some way to play a part. But, man, Randy Moss just... I've never seen a rookie come into the league and have the kind of numbers that he did. Well, that, that was the year that I think it was the, their Thanksgiving game where he had the three catches for three touchdowns and like 160-something yes. yards. It, it was unbelievable. It's like all Randall Cunningham had to do, throw it, somebody's going to catch it and score. It doesn't matter where on the mm-hmm. field they are, and if they didn't score, you were shocked. Yeah. They had a bend-but-don't-break opportunistic defense that was very good at ball-hawking. You know, I think that if you talk to any Minnesota fan, that loss to Atlanta will by far be their, like, they they might start crying if you bring it up to them. More so than when they uh, missed that game-winning field goal against Seattle back in 2016. Oh, yeah. More so than yeah. 2009. This team went 15-1. and one. From what I saw, they were the best team in the NFL that year. You can make an argument for Denver, but, you know... I think that this team was just stacked front to bottom, and I would encourage all the listeners that are listening to this right now to go watch the America's Game Missing Rings documentary that they did on the 98 Vikings. It was devastating. I'm not a Vikings fan, and just hearing Chris Carter, Dennis Green, and um, uh, John Randall talking about it, it was just devastating, man. I think this team was fantastic. I'm starting to think that the like this team was destined. You know, I was thinking about putting that um, Vikings team from the '60s or early '70s that lost to Kansas City that was heavily favored, one of Bud Grant's teams, the Purple People Eaters. I don't think any team that the Vikings had was as destined as this one. And I think at the time, if they had won that Super Bowl, they would have been considered the best team since the '85 Bears. I like that pick. I like it a lot. My number three team is the 1992 San Francisco 49ers. Okay. 14-2. and two. And unfortunately, for me personally, it's even more unfortunate due to who they lost to. But a 30-20 to 20 loss in the NFC Championship game to the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> unfortunate. A- ended the season number one in total offense and number three in total defense. Yeah, <sighs> that was that was devastating. That was yeah. It it's never fun when the Cowboys win. No, no, not at all. Not for me, anyways. Who you got for number two? The ninety Bills. The ninety Bills. Okay. Um, I think that <laughs> this is similar to the ninety eight Vikings. Um, to be that dominant, to have the K the K gun offense all year, to their defense was bruising. Um, 
Thurman Thomas was just a beast, man. Mm -hmm. Like, oh. It's a shame. I mean, I'm not really going to get too deep into this one because you already brought up pretty much all the points that I would have brought up. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my number two. And this one's going to be short as well because you already brought up a lot of my points too. My number two team is the 1998 Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. If the score in that uh, playoff loss to Atlanta indicates that the game was a lot closer than what it really was. But if you actually watched the game, the Vikings were so out of their... It, they were just so out of sync that you couldn't believe, had you not known their record, you would never have even come close to guessing that this was a 15-1 and team. They yeah. just... They, they were... Miss, Cunningham was missing throws. He was just... They, they were doing things that were so and out of character. And they still could have won by And 10. they still could have won. Yeah. That's what makes it so frustrating. Their field goal kicker missed his first kick in like mm. two years. Mm-hmm. You know, like they had almost a game-ending interception and it was dropped. Like, I think people are going to remember that field goal being missed that could have iced it, but there were so many other opportunities. Oh, it wasn't any one thing that cost them mm-hmm. that game. They, mm-hmm. they, they just did not show up the same team. And they still they outplayed the Falcons for the most part. If you look, if you look at the box score, absolutely. They had more, they had more yards. They had, uh, they were just all over the field. And the Falcons were actually a pretty good team that they, year, They were 14-2 and two that year. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like they lost to a bad team, but the, Viking, the Vikings yeah. were a better team. And they lost to a team that otherwise people would admit that, man, I, I just can't get over the fact that we didn't have that, that team against... Terrell Davis, Shannon Sharp, Elway in the Super Bowl. Because Elway still talks to this day, man, like, if we had played that Vikings team in the Super Bowl, we would have been in trouble. Yeah. Because it's just like, they were... When they did the documentary on that 98 Broncos team for America's Game, um, they were just saying, like, you know, well, now that we have to, now that we had to play Atlanta, it was like, if you don't win by two or more touchdowns, it's a failure. Right. So, whereas if you had played Minnesota, it's like, okay, whoever wins is the better team. You know, so. And you and I both have the same number one team, the 2007 New England Patriots. Why, other than 16-0, and is this the best team to have not won a Super Bowl? I think the game that solidified it for me was when they beat the Skins at the time. Oh my god, dude. Like, that game... I mean, it was just... It was unfair. Yeah. It, it was unfair. You know, like... I can't... And sure, you know what? Maybe we can make the argument that if they had lost a game or two that they would have won the Super Bowl that year because I do think to an extent that 16-0 and wore them out a little bit because if you look at Brady's performance in the AFC Championship that year against the Chargers when he threw two touchdowns and three picks, they were slowing down a little bit. It's very similar to me. You bring up a really good point. It's really similar to me in like... Uh, the NBA, the year LeBron beat the 73 yeah, win Warriors yeah. team, they were playing hard towards the end of the regular season because they wanted the record. They wanted to have the best regular season of all time. And by the time the uh, Western Conference Finals came around, you could just see physically, even though uh, they did overcome that deficit yeah. against the Thunder, you could just see physically 
they, they, were, they were running out of gas. They were running low on gas, and by the time LeBron got there and LeBron did overcome that 3-1 deficit, granted there's that's a conversation for another day yeah. because he also, I, like Brady, did catch a little bit of a break, but at the end of the day, LeBron did capitalize on the opportunity, and it's all about capitalizing your opportunity. But to, to your point, they the Patriots were playing for that perfect season. They, yeah. they wanted to... Uh, exceed the previous undefeated And they record. got a little bit lucky in the playoffs that they didn't have to play Indianapolis. They did get a little lucky in the playoffs. And another thing... I'm not I saying they wouldn't have won because I think the Patriots were the better team, obviously, but I just look at the performance that Brady had in the postseason prior to the Super Bowl, and I was like, he's running out of gas a little bit. And I remember watching live on TV. It was the final game of the regular season. It was the Patriots versus the Giants. And the Giants gave them hell. They, like, the, the Giants lost by one score. Eli Manning was almost perfect. Almost perfect. And I remember thinking to myself, this would be a fun Super Bowl. Not thinking there would be any real shot of it happening because, let's be real, the, the Giants essentially... They they were helped out a lot towards the end of the season as far as uh, wild card standings go. Yeah, and they, if you look at this Patriots team too, by the way, they won some games against some teams that actually gave them trouble in the regular season. You look at the game they had against the Ravens that year; they almost lost. Mm-hmm. We I don't need to bring up the last regular season game against the Giants that they almost lost. They were down twenty eight to sixteen in that game, mm-hmm. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they had a very close game against Philly. They had a rough start against Indianapolis. Indianapolis could have won that game if they kept their foot on the gas. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just kept on finding ways to win, whether it be the other team getting too excited and getting boneheaded penalties, um, or it was just a clear domination. Right. Um, I think that if you look at the statistics, this is the best quarterback to wide receiver single season ever. Yeah, um, you know. Peyton Manning holds the record for most touchdown passes by a quarterback, but Randy Moss holds the record for the most uh, re- receiving touchdowns by a wide receiver. And I mean, for, with I believe he had was 24, it 25? 25? 24 or 25. I, I think it was 25. But I For Brady to have 50, though, like he had Wes Welker, you know, I forgot some of the other weapons he had. They had a great running back, too. Like, this team was damn near bulletproof. Great offensive line, and... That defense, that defense number, was number three or four ranked overall. Right? Number four. Yeah. So they still had Rodney Harrison, um, Bruschi. Yeah, they still had Bruschi. Um, I always forget the other guy that they had. He kind of had bushy hair a little bit, um, but he was really—I I can't remember his name to save my they life. They had Richard Seymour. They did. They had Asante Samuel. They had Asante Samuel, who kind of choked in that game. One was one of the few reasons why they lost I that think, game. I think, you know, people always talk about the helmet catch. I don't think we talk about Asante Samuel missing the game-ending interception and yeah. tapping off his hands enough. Mm-hmm. He catches that, game over. Mm-hmm. 19-0, arguably, well, no, not arguably, the best team in NFL history, mm-hmm. you know. But because they lost that Super Bowl, instead of putting them number one on the greatest ten teams of all time in general, we're putting them number one as the greatest team that didn't win the Super Bowl. Right. And it's crazy how just a little bit of luck. Now, mind you, I think the Giants earned that rematch win. I think in that game they just outplayed New England. But in this one, 
Brady did what he had to do for the most part. He had the touchdown to Randy Moss with two minutes and 42 seconds left. Mm. He just left too much time. Yeah. You know, like, but at the same time, (laughs) Eli Manning had an active Jesus and turned into Michael Vick for a play to escape a sack. (laughs) They, you know, they converted, I believe, two third downs and a fourth down on that drive. It was just crazy. They still had to score a touchdown. Mm Mm-hmm. And Eli Manning threw a dot to um, Plaxico Burris. Um, that, that was an amazing touchdown. And if you look at the guy who, um, David Tyree, David right? Tyree. He... He was a practice squad player. Yeah. And he caught it against his helmet. Against Rodney Harrison. You know, like... We will never see an upset like that in the NFL ever again. And if we do... God strike me with lightning right now if he exists. Because I... That team was phenomenal. They were borderline flawless, you know? I don't think there was a single flaw on that team. No, like... The, the only flaw that was exposed on... The, running uh, out of gas. That was pretty much Running it. out of gas and, quite honest, laziness. Lack of effort. Yeah, you know, they thought, like... I remember that interview on the podium that Brady had after uh, Plexico Burris said that we'll beat them 21-17, and Brady was just like, <laughs> 17 points? Okay. You know, and I was just like, dude, you're getting a little too confident. This team has already upset three different yeah. teams that were heavily favored. And back then, I Brady was not humble the way he is now. Oh, no. He yeah. was much more smug and arrogant. And Michael Strahan in an interview, talked about how Brady saying that on the podium fueled them to be like, oh, no, we're going to make Brady tap dance in the pocket. And, you know... You know, Tom Coughlin was really the first person to expose, you yeah. want you want to beat Brady? This is how. He, he set that model for, this is how you beat Tom Brady. I disagree with that, actually. And the reason why I disagree with that is because there was other teams that applied a lot of pressure towards Brady that season, but they took their foot off the gas. Well, to my point... Yeah, you, you know, you, you have to keep your foot yeah, on the gas. Yeah. But so, I'm saying the blueprint was there. People just weren't following through with it for four Because people would think, okay, we've pressed, we've pressured him. He, they, he thinks we're coming after him. So now let's back out into, into zone yeah. coverage or something like that's that. what yeah. the Colts did and, that, yeah. and yeah. that's and that's one of the best Manning Brady games in my I, opinion I, I think it's the, the best the, I, I honestly that AFC champ, well that, that's another discussion for another day but this I, I was not a big fan of the Brady Manning uh, 06 AFC championship well no uh, the the Bronco Patriots Manning Brady uh, rivalry was I was wasn't a big fan nah, Colts, because Colts Patriots was better because yeah. also historically for some reason the Broncos are the only team that Baltimore too in the playoffs Baltimore has given Brady trouble no, no I wasn't gonna say that I was gonna say the only team that Brady has. Uh, under 500 record oh, against. Oh, 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 yeah. okay. Yeah, that's what okay. I was going to say. No, Brady's had a few different teams give him hell in the playoffs. But I would say the three would probably be, you know, well, pretty much, I mean, he struggles against the NFC East for whatever unknown reason. Yeah, one um, and three. Yeah, yeah I, that's a crazy... Anyway, yeah, this, um, this Patriots team, I mean... I think that with Spygate happening and that coming out right before the season started, 
I think they were just like, okay, you think we can't do this without Belichick filming other teams? And they just went out there and destroyed opponents. Mm-hmm. Like, Brady throwing five touchdowns in a game? Do that in his sleep with those weapons. Right. You know, like, Moss was... This team makes me... I, I don't like the Patriots. I am not a Tom Brady fan. But a team like this or the 98 Vikings makes me very sad that Randy Moss does not have a Super Bowl championship. Yeah. Because talent-wise, he might be the best wide receiver in terms of technical, like, pure skill that I've seen. You know, I, I think he... <laughs> I don't think Jerry Rice has had a season like Moss had in 2007, if I'm being completely honest with you. Like, this team was just top-to-bottom stacked. I think if they win that year, we're already having, oh, is Brady better than Montana discussions? Mm -hmm. But because they lost, it kind of got delayed until they beat Seattle in 2014. Um, Because I think a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, if that was Montana, they would have won that Super Bowl. And back then, I kind of agreed with that. Sure. Well, like I was saying earlier on the show, I wasn't convinced. And I think you you and I had the same discussion yesterday. Uh, I wasn't convinced Brady was hands down the go until that Seattle win. And I look at the offense, right? And we can make the argument that, yes, Peyton Manning in 2013 had the best quarterback season ever. I think the numbers are hard to dispute with that. 606 points scored in the regular season. But if but this is not a top 10 offense of all top 10 offenses list of all time. This is a top 10 team mm-hmm. list of all time. And for the people wondering, that's why the Broncos didn't make my list because their defense was horrible and they had very little competition that year. This team had competition. You know, I think that they're the greatest offense I've ever seen in my life overall, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, people were starting to call them the new greatest show on turf that season. Um, and their numbers backed it up, man. I think this is also the season where, you know, with the Brady and Manning discussions, people were just like, oh, well, you know, Brady's clutch and he has the accomplishments, but Peyton has the numbers and the MVPs, right? I think this season is what made it clear that Tom Brady was just as good as Peyton Manning. Maybe not in terms of athletic skills, but this was the season where it's like, okay, Brady finally has the numbers to back up his accomplishments. Mm-hmm. You know, because the first three, you can still make the argument that Brady, while being clutch and fantastic, he still wasn't Peyton in terms of the numbers he was putting up. This season changed that. Right. You know, he had, up until 2013, the most touchdowns ever for a quarterback in a season. You know, he topped Peyton's number in 2004, and he topped Marino's season in 1984. Um, with Peyton in 2004 having 49 and Marino having 48 in in 1984. So I think, I still think this team is, (laughs) I hear people say sometimes like, oh, well, they're not the undefeated Miami Dolphins. And I'm just like, yeah, no, that team won a championship. Yeah. Yeah. But this team is better easily, in my opinion, you know, like, like you said, flawless top to bottom it finally shut the Brady doubters up in terms of the fact that, no, this guy doesn't just win Super Bowls. He can throw up big numbers, too, right. if you put the... Because Brady didn't have a Reggie Wayne. No. You know, he didn't have... Um, 
Marvin Harrison. Yeah, no. He didn't... I mean, Marshall Falk was a big weapon for the Colts before he went to the Rams. Yeah. Brady never really had that. Then you give him Wes Welker. You give him Randy Moss. You give him... Um, uh, Julian Edelman. Yeah. Or, you know... So it's like... He finally had the weapons that Peyton did. Maybe a little bit better, because Moss is better than oh, Reggie Wayne. But, you know, nonetheless... It showed that Brady can put up big numbers, too. He's not just a system quarterback. Um, his level of play was genius. The throws he were making were beautiful. Um, his It's probably the best season... I, well, not probably. It is the best season I think Brady has ever had. And even though he has seven Super Bowl wins, I think that this season still haunts him just because of how competitive he is. Oh, I, I'm sure. How, how could it not? Yeah. You know? So. That's going to do it for today. Again, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Follow us on Facebook and Spotify to stay up to date on all shows and sports updates. Next week, we'll be talking UFC with Joey D. What was the outcome of Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns for the welterweight championship? And we will be debating who are the 10 greatest fighters in UFC history. Again, I'm Tommy P. I'll see you next week.